Hello and welcome to the You Matter to Christ podcast. Many of our listeners and guests call this podcast an experience because throughout the variety of extraordinary people we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business goals, people forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. On this show, you'll hear from professional athletes, entrepreneurs, and everyday people from all walks of life. Discover the profound truth that regardless of your background or circumstances, you matter deeply to the creator of the universe. You were made for a purpose, and you matter to Christ. Get ready for inspiring stories, personal testimonies, and uplifting messages that remind us of the unchanging love and grace available to all. And remember this, you matter to Christ. Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I am your host of the Living a Better Story podcast. I've got someone with me today who's been connected with me on Facebook for probably more than a year. I feel like I know him, like the guy that you see on TV or a famous actress, and yet we've never actually spoken. So today is the first time that we're going to have a conversation. We're going to go deep. Angus has some serious stories. I've got Angus Nelson on the show. He's the CEO of Evolve Men Coaching, and it's been around for five plus years He's got some serious experience in this space of helping people, and uh, and we're going to dig into some of that. So, Angus, welcome to the call. Great to be here, Chad. This is really great. Uh, already in the pre-call, we got the fire burning and looking to uh, see what else we can stir up. Well, you told me a story. Let's go right into that for two seconds before we go sure. to the normal routine. You said that you've got some family there and the two boys are kind of hitting each other with plastic bats. I think they're plastic. I hope. I, and, yeah. Right. And so my brother's two years younger than me and I only got in one fist fight with him once and I regret it ever since, but uh, he's forgiven me and we're, we're best of buds. But you said that they hit each other with bats sometimes. And so we talked well, about, yeah. You know, so we were talking about processing emotion. And, you know, valuing people and using our words for explaining how we feel. And my brother and I were having this conversation with the kids and, and um, my, my two kids are used to these kinds of conversations. Like this is the way we normally, you know, process things together. And I, I'm really intentional trying to help them understand that I'm not confronting you from a place of shame I'm not trying to like call you out in a way that I want you to feel small. I'm not angry with you. I'm not rejecting you. Like we're having a conversation to help one another understand. And through that process, you see that I respect you. You have an opportunity to respect me and we get understanding around whatever the issue we're dealing with. So I'm trying to be this really kind of, you know, present kind of dad and my nephew, like he's, not used to that. And so um, we kind of had to, it took us a lot longer to navigate some of those words and kind of pull out of him, you know, the experience. But in the end, you know, after lots of tears and whatever, we got apologies and uh, some of the kids hugged, one chose, he still doesn't want to hug. I told him you're totally fine to make that choice and we, we love you for it. Wow. And I appreciate your honesty. And 
know that this is a family and a house that supports you and loves you and wants the best for you. And I see in you a man who's honorable. I see in you a man who's powerful. And I see in you in a man who, um, who is connected to who he really is. Wow. And so, yes. leave him with that, you know? Let, so interesting story. My wife and I have these kinds of, I call it like slowing down the tape, right? Let's go from a 4X down to a, a 0.5, right? Let's yeah. slow it down and just look at everything that's happened. So we're selling our house. So my wife said, hey, can you come out? And I had just gotten over the virus. So I'm like having a hard time breathing, walking up and down stairs. And, but I'm probably 80% recovered. So she goes, hey, can you come outside and look at the, at the pond? Sure. Mm -hmm. She goes, what do you think of all the lily pads there? And I knew where she, I thought I knew where she was going, mm -hmm. which was, Chad, can you pull them? Because they're taking pictures of the house and we need to make sure it looks good. Well, I asked to clarify, I said, so what are you thinking? And I go, and she goes, well, I don't know. I, I want to know what you think. I said, well, I think probably half of them should be pulled. And I did it about a month and a half ago and it looked great. And she goes, okay. And uh, she goes, actually, I don't think any need to be pulled. And I go, okay, that's fine too. I go, this is a, you, so, and, and normally the knee jerk would be, come on, Trey, you, you, you know, get an argument. And yeah. so I go, time out, let's just pause. Let's just talk about how this just went down. Mm -hmm. You asked me to come out and give you my opinion. You had already formed an opinion. All you, maybe you were looking for validation or what was it? And she's like, no, no, I really wanted your opinion. I'm like, okay, well then you didn't take it. Mm -hmm. So are you sure you wanted my opinion? And she was, and she got a little annoyed. And I said, Trey, the reason I'm doing this and I'm going to do this from now on, because if I don't, we, our relationship degrades by one eighth of 1%. And when you add that up over the course of a year and five years and 20 years that we've been married, I let it get to a point where I was questioning things for a while there. Yeah. It went down to a 90% level and we're a hundred. Yeah. So what you just, for our listeners today, it's so important. Slow down the tape, mm -hmm. right? And if you feel like you're getting angry, question it and then talk about it and the emotions involved, yeah. man, that's deep. Whew. All right. So I let's go back. You know, by the way, like, we all have trauma and we just don't realize and we don't understand that we operate from so much emotion. We like to think that everything we do in life is based on like very intentional and controlled, you know, type of exchange. And it's, it's not, we're, we're like little pinballs in a pinball machine operating off of pain and, and belief and things that we believe to be true. And we have a conviction and a story we've built on it. And I love what, what some person said is like, our minds are like concrete. Oftentimes we're thoroughly mixed and well set. Mm. And we would rather be right than to maybe think that there's any gray. We want white or black. So we have all these different things that we bring into any situation. And then we put that filter over the situation along with emotional and electrical impulse. Wow. And that's then right. we yeah. think we're being intentional. No, if yeah. we aren't paying attention, we're just reacting all the time. Yeah. You know, someone sent me an hour and a half long video about vaccine or something. I don't even remember because I didn't watch it. And I clicked the go button and it started playing that music that goes, you know, and it's just, it would go throughout an entire hour and a half. I'm sure mm -hmm. the people who created that movie 
know that they'll play to a certain audience who are easily brought to the to that thinking, right? It's highly influential. The the verbiage on the screen, the audio, the words they choose. And it's designed to cause fear in people and action. And and if you saw the latest Facebook, uh, the whistleblower, right? How they tune up and down the knob on what's allowed and not based on things going on in the world. Wow, it's so good that that's finally being exposed. I'm sure it used to happen through the radio, then TV, now social. That stuff needs to be regulated because we as humans, we do have these knee-jerk things that we bring to the equation. We, and, we, and but here's the, here's the funny thing. You're, you're absolutely right what you said. It's not just Facebook. Like it's, it's We are constantly being indoctrinated 24-7 all the time yes. simply by the choices we make to listen to. Even when we think the thing we're listening to is quote-unquote safe. Mm. No, it's just your preference. Mm. Wow. We prefer to listen to certain things because they then validate what we believe about ourselves. Wow. And we attract and create our own identity. However we see ourselves and, and know this to be true, like your life is a reflection of your past beliefs. And mm. so what you're living today is actually living in the past. Because all the stories that you have told about yourself, you've convinced yourself into a subconscious state of your identity. And now your brain, who loves to validate your belief system of you, will seek to create or attract the situations, the circumstances, the relationships, the experiences that validate how you see you. So like, if you remember back when you were single and you maybe you dated you know, a number of girls and they were like the same girl just with a different face, yeah. It's because you were attracting your favorite pain over and over again. You just didn't realize it because on some level you felt like you deserve to be treated a certain way. And so like in my practice, I'm telling men, like you have to guard your, your intake valves, right? Cause you're like a computer. And if you're letting bad data in, you're corrupting and letting in viruses into your operating system. And what you hear about, you think about, what you think about, you talk about, what you talk about, you ultimately bring about. Mm -hmm. And so we build up these strong convictions around something we use to validate how we believe about ourselves when we don't understand that there's a difference between what you do and what you believe versus like who you are and how you believe. Well, what's interesting is I've read The Greatest Salesman in the World probably 50 times. I really had a desire to do to be the greatest salesman in the world, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. And I was voted top 25 inside sales for 10 years in a row. And so, but sometimes you get there and you don't actually recognize that you are there. Arguing I'm number one, I don't care anymore. <laughs> but but it's the point is I wanted to be a good sales professional, a great one that truly solves business value. So you get there. Mm -hmm. Then to your point, you attract the kind of person you want. She's precisely the exact soulmate in my life who loves me unconditionally and is the exact right one. It took the three traumatic events this year to go, wait, sometimes I thought we were getting into B plus territory. And I was always like, wait, we're always in A plus territory. We can't settle for B plus. Yeah. It's like, no, no. You're hundred percent because the B plus there is no grading. You mm -hmm. unconditionally love me. So what, a, what an experience that was. Another one was of this car on my desk for five years. It was the Pinewood Derby car. Mm -hmm. It has the number 77 on it. 
my app that we created is called 77 Pray. It was named by a guy in the audience. It's like, you can't make this stuff up. I have a pair of 77 jeans on right now. I didn't even know that existed. Mm-hmm. Matt, and it's Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Mm-hmm. All right. We are so not going by the questions. And I love it because every once in a while, we got to go out of the box. So we're only going to ask probably three of the main ones. So okay. let's rewind the tape. We got to where we are now. When you were young and God put you on this planet, and your five, six, your first memories, what are some of the things you loved to do? Like you were passionate about, you know, were you a leader in your neighborhood? Did you do sport? What was your thing at a young age? So uh, my young age, like there was, I grew up in Houston, Texas for the first four years of my life. And then I moved to um, a central Wisconsin. So very different environments. And I had an identical twin brother. So a lot of my experiences were based around family more than it was friends because of the disruption, you know, like I didn't have friends that I carried through those kind of formative years. Um, But once I got into Wisconsin, then I started making friends around that area. And I grew up all the way through high school in that area. So all of my fondest memories of growing up were there. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I was a leader um, because I was an identical twin. Like I can remember high school, this is a little bit later, uh, we, if we showed up at a party, people would be like, hey, look, the Nelson twins are here. However, we never got invited to the party. Hmm. You know, so it was like hmm. one of those little, kind of a different little nuance. Um, when I was younger, even still, we had four other sets of twins in our school. And so there were five sets of twins total that became like, we're not that special. We're not that unique in that context, but we all loved it. And a lot of us were friends. And so I remember being a kid who more than anything kind of followed. I was a little bit of a chameleon in some respects, uh, in some ways wanting people to, and, and I see this in my son a lot too. He, he seems to have some of the same traits. Like I wanted to make people happy. I was a kind of a people pleaser and I didn't even realize I was doing that. It wasn't until older in my years that I realized that I was doing it into a negative context, but I was someone who went with the flow and I was, you know, I was talented in certain things. And so I could use that talent on the ice rink and play hockey. I could use that talent on the football field. I could use that talent in singing. I could use that talent in, in doing hip hop, but I didn't have something that was just mine that I was like, this is what I do. And this is, you know, everybody come on. It wasn't I haven't so thought of the nuance. I've never thought of the nuance of twin brothers. Um, my, uh, my cousin has twins mm-hmm. and, and, and you, it, they were identical, but you could, you could tell, you could tell them apart. No doubt. Um, my best friend growing up was adopted. And so the psychology around adoption I've gone through and unraveled and, or at least my friend's adoption where he came, he came to meet his birth mom. I used to call her his real mom. Mm-hmm. And that was an inaccurate assessment. His real mom is an adopted mom because that's who he came to know and love. And she loved him. And they took him in as a brother to a girl named Aaron and they built a family. So his real, and so I inaccurately labeled his birth mom as his real mom. And so, but we discovered that together. He didn't discover it until maybe 10 years ago or something. 
And then he finds out he has brothers and sisters and the dad was abusive and moved from relationship to relationship. The whole and, and, and story. Tell me about what it's like to be a twin. Is there, is there some discoveries in there? Like there, there's firstborn, secondborn. And, and my pastor said 90% of marriage are between a first and a secondborn. If you look at it, it's wild. Firsts and firsts don't usually work out very well. They go right. head to head. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like, how would you know if you came out first or second? Does it matter? Does it show up anywhere? Tell yeah, me absolutely. In fact, we, we've even talked about the psychology. Like what if we got older and we took our, our, our prints, you know, from our birth certificates and all of a sudden they told us actually you're Marcus and you're Angus. Like, would that change something? And both of us are like, yeah, like our whole identity is wrapped around that name. And we, it's so bizarre that how much that would mess me up. Um, But to answer your question about being a twin, like people ask it all the time, what's it like being a twin? I was like, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's like not to be a twin. Like, I don't know what it's like not to have somebody that I've shared so much with for so long. Wow. That's a foreign concept to me. You know, and since, you know, now with my wife, some of my relationship with my wife is kind of, I don't know, has kind of followed in some of the same footsteps because now the level of intimacy or connection and kind of inside jokes and everything now transcend, you know, into my spouse. Wow. Um, so some of that changes, but the dynamics of, you know, whether you're one or the others, like I, I can't really, you know, define what I can tell you is like our stories are kind of uh, parallel, but decades apart. <clears throat> I went through a divorce uh, 20 years ago. He went through a divorce three years ago. And yet I can see some of the same traits that have transpired as a result of the emotional impact of that in his life that went through my life. And Mm -hmm. we didn't have the tools growing up emotionally to be able to address some of the issues that, you know, came up as a result. Um, Fortunately, you know, I've been able to try and, you know, help my brother in ways that I can. And, and even though I'm a men's coach, like I, I refuse to like teach my family. That's, that's really arrogant for me to like come in and say, Hey, let me tell you, I would like, no, I just, nah, I, I, I do not set myself up for that. Mm-hmm. However, if he asks, you know, and, um, and he once asked me for the Angus Nelson starter kit, what book should I start with? I got to fix my head. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I can help in that respect. But for me, I started my first business when I was 28 years old, 29 years old. And we, my brother and I had started it together, uh, but I was at the helm. And within a very short period of time of getting off the ground, it was a nonprofit organization focused on young adults. And we had about, um, I don't know, 60% of our bands were from a faith-based, you know, at that time was what's called CCM, Christian Music. Uh, cause my brother's connections in the music industry and the other 40% were, you know, whatever general market. And we fronted it as a coffee shop. And so therefore our Christian friends said, oh, you're a Christian coffee house to which our response is no, we're Christians who run a coffee house because we wanted to be a place where anyone felt safe because our theory was anyone will talk about life over a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. So we get this thing off the ground. We've got 15,000 kids have come through our doors over the three years we're there. We put on two music festivals. Our headliners, like one of our headliners was a band called Train. 
and opening up for training was a band called Burlap to Cashmere. So you had like a Christian band with a non-Christian band. And it was amazing. Like the experience that we were creating for these kids and for these families was just extraordinary. So on the outside, it looked pretty marvelous. However, behind the scenes, the Christian radio station was like, well, why don't you, if you're not a Christian coffee house, then you're not real Christians. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And I had volunteered for three years at this Christian radio station. Every week I was there doing a morning show. And I'm like, you guys know me. Like, where's this coming from? And more and more people started to gang up. And so I'm upset because now people are turning their backs on us and my identity is wrapped into this work. Furthermore, that music festival we did, we had thunder showers came in and we lost $72,000 that one weekend. And for our small little nonprofit, that was a chunk of change. And so now my wife and I have moved into my parents' basement and we're navigating all of this because I felt on my moral value was I was going to pay everybody back. So I'm not taking any salary. All the money is paying off debt. My wife despises me because of the situation we're now in. She doesn't like what I'm doing or how I'm doing it. So I'm putting all this on my shoulders. Furthermore, I don't know how to ask for help because I think I'll just work harder, 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks. And I got to prove to my wife, to my family, to the community, to all those church folk, to the, the board, to the community as a whole, I can turn the ship around. And under the weight of that pressure, I started to buckle. And so I started coping and it started with pornography. And I felt guilt and shame. Meanwhile, I'm leading worship for my dad's church. And I'm feeling horrible about myself. So I started drinking and drinking lots. And then I started sleeping around. In short order, I blew up my marriage. I blew up the business. I blew up my entire sense of self. Of course, my dad asked me to step down from the ministry. And now what? I've failed everyone. I'm suicidal sitting under a Christmas tree. My divorce is on December 23rd, 2003. On December 25th, two days later, all my family's gone and I'm alone in my own house underneath the Christmas tree contemplating how I'm going to take my life. And I heard a voice and it said, we're not done here yet. And that was the beginning of my transformation. I went and sought a counselor. He gave me a book called Wild at Heart by a guy named John Eldridge and started to kind of circumvent why I needed a mission in my life and needed a purpose that was bigger than me because I had made everything about that organization and that whole season about me. And in some ways I was way too hard on myself than I needed to be. In other ways, I didn't give myself um, the accountability that perhaps I required in some other areas. Wow. But what I do know is out of that brokenness is what prepared me for 15 years later. And I'm working in Fortune 500 brands. And my clients are from like Walmart and General Electric and Ford and Coca-Cola and BMW, et cetera. And these guys have gone to the best schools. They're making incredible money at companies you give your left arm for. And I start to, next, I start to notice and recognize the same patterns. Wow. Angus, let me, let, before the break, and then we're going we're gonna to come back after the break. I want to read you something from a kid named Noah. He was the first person in the Prey app that we launched about two months ago. He had COVID, then double pneumonia. He goes to the hospital. He nearly died. He, a lot of people prayed for him. 
And within hours, he was released from the hospital with no oxygen and he made it. His mother, who's 51, did not. And so this is what he wrote about the last, about the situation. And I want you to picture 15 years ago in 2003, because I almost died from the virus a couple of weeks ago. And when I read this, it hits home. So check this out. A grief unprocessed is a beautiful thing. It's between the accepting and the understanding of loss that grace abounds. Six weeks ago, I watched the sunrise from my bathroom floor and met with a God who wept with me as he stilled my heart between shaky breaths and caught each tear in his bottle. He promised to intercede with groanings too deep for words. There was nothing left to pray. He wasn't phased when I asked him questions, nor threatened by my doubt in his power, sovereignty, and kindness towards me. My confusion and frustration were not necessarily brought to ease, nor was every question answered, but they were welcomed with open arms and embraced as they were. These past few weeks have been so painfully beautiful. I hear my mom's voice in the songs I write and I still feel the last hug we shared. I miss waking up to, hey, I love you texts, but I count it as a privilege to tell her story to those who never had the privilege of knowing her. Her faith was inspiring and her joy was contagious. I miss her, but I'm learning how sweet it is to process loss in light of celebrating heaven's gain, right? The pain, the pain is where the beauty is. And if we go back to the bat thing at the beginning of this call, someone said the other day, oh, so you were woken up by God's bat, huh? He beat you into submission. I said, no, 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 no. God's there. The world brings the bat. The devil causes the bat. You get that hit upside your head and God's there to protect you and heal you and help you recover. Does that hit home for you from that message so- that he shared? Um, 110%. So I knew religion, I knew legalism, and I didn't know grace. And I wouldn't say I turned my back on God, I more so acquiesced myself from taking up more of his time. Because I felt like because of what I'd done, all of my programming meant that God didn't have anything for me. And through my process of learning everything, the one thing I learned out of all it was in 2005, I packed up my house, put it on the market, and I moved to Huntsville, Alabama to sit under a guy who had this very holistic approach to faith. And he brought in Eastern medicine and Eastern philosophy with grace and Jesus. That's right. You know, it's funny because and, there's a site called onpurpose.me. It mm-hmm. tells you your words at the end. Mm-hmm. Embracing grace are my two mission mm-hmm. for my entire life. Grace well, this, is the this answer, is man. This is my life scripture. It's um, Matthew 11, uh, 28 through 30. You know it as his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But the message version by Eugene Peterson, he says, um, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Rest with me or walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Hey, let's finish in prayer before the break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to do part two 
of this conversation. So uh, prayer, I never prayed until episode about 75 and it was so heartwarming. So God, thanks for bringing everybody to the podcast today. We've had a great conversation with Angus Nelson from Evolve Men. He exposed to the world what's hap- what happened to him. He got to a point where he was not doing the right things. Pornography shows up out of the blue and, and, and he knew it. And, and yet you found him under a Christmas tree. Of course you did, because that represents your son and, and, and the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, and how he died for us. He takes away all of the sin of the world for eternity. So imagine this man who just takes every single thing, every thought that you have that is negative. When you decide to give it to him, he will take it. He is infinite and will take it. And he's proven that with Angus, he took that anchor and he had no problem with it. To God, it's that anchor that Angus was carrying around was heavy. To God, it's like a helium balloon. So God, thank you for bringing Angus on the show today. I'm so amazed at your power and grace that you continually show to all of these people who share their story on the Living Better Story podcast. I'm honored to have him here. He is a brother in Christ, and I can't wait to see what you have in store for this group of people who have become part of the Living a Better Story legacy. In your name we pray. Thank you, God. Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, brother. We'll catch everyone back to the break. And uh, man, we're going deep. Thank you for joining us on the You Matter to Christ podcast. We hope this journey has reminded you of the incredible truth that your life holds immense value and significance to Christ. As you go about your day, may you carry the assurance that no matter what you face, you are deeply cherished and loved. Remember, you matter to Christ. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with others who may benefit from this message. Stay tuned for more transformative episodes where we continue to explore the depth of God's love and grace. Until next time, remember that you are not alone. Christ's love is with you, guiding and strengthening you every step of the way. May your life be filled with hope purpose, and the knowledge that you matter to Christ.